uh, welcome. I want to introduce my friend. This is Reverend Demetrius Gifunza, who is the pastor at Mount Olive CME Church. He is also the uh, CME Regional Director of Social Justice and Human Concern. He has uh, fought in the past and been heavily involved with restoring voting rights to those who have been incarcerated. Uh, I've served with him on the uh, Sure Juvenile Justice Committee. Uh, so we go way back in that. And I uh, just want to say welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. I'm real excited about uh, just having a, a real open, honest conversation with you. And uh, the point for everyone watching here, uh, we're, we're not going to solve all the world's problems right here in this conversation. <laughs> but the point is, though, to uh, peel back the many layers of what's happening and been happening in our country of uh, the many layers of racism in our country and uh, trying to get a little deeper understanding and perspective uh, from Demetrius uh, and his perspective and, and his uh, view and walk through this world as, as he follows Jesus and leads others to do so as well. So uh, I've got a few uh, questions and a few categories. So sure. the categories uh, we've come up with are healing, help, and hope. So we're going to organize our questions around those. Uh, Demetrius and I have come up with these questions uh, together. And uh, so, so we're going to start with one of your questions. Okay. And what we'll do is I'll just ask them and then we can kind of um, discuss them together, uh, hear your perspective, and I can, I can uh, uh, chat with you a bit about it. And, and uh, I really just want to come at this from a position of humility, as I know you do too, and just right. learning. So, uh, so our first question is, um, why does worshiping together become difficult when the issues of race and social justice are brought to the front? So we'll start with the easy one, right? Like just a, just a quick little easy one. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man, that, that was amazing because um, that seems to be um, the unasked question um, when certain topics pop up. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that as long as it's peaceful and everybody's getting along, mm -hmm. worship is perfect. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the, the communication flows without mm -hmm. any disruption. But the minute that we come across situations such as this, such as mm -hmm. issues that we have witnessed, mm -hmm. and we turn to the churches because it always says that the church needs to get involved. Well, when we turn to the churches, now it's a difference. Mm -hmm. Well. I don't understand that. I, I don't get mm. that. Um, what am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. and, and now the concept of worship is turned to not worshiping, but more of questions now. Mm. Whereas that togetherness in the beginning is kind of separated a little bit. And I kind of witnessed that between different cultures and churches and things mm -hmm. of that nature. There. So that's why I wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I feel it's a it's very vital. It's very important because worship does not end just because we're worshiping together in the church. Okay. Worship also extends outside of the church walls. Mm. And worship is supposed to be the vehicle that instruments you for courage, for change outside of the church walls. Um, mm. Most importantly, impact and encourage the individuals that's affected by things that's going on in the community. Man, I love that. Talk a little more about worship outside the church walls. I love that. What's yeah. that concept? That's that's amazing. Tell me more about that. For some reason, we have developed this peaceful coexistence that worship should only be done in a building. Okay. And then we, we, we tell ourselves and other people that the church is not the building. The church is the people. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that is absolutely true. Mm -hmm. 
but I only hear it. I don't necessarily see it because what I do see when I walk up and down certain neighborhoods, predominantly African-American neighborhoods, I see a church on every corner mm -hmm. that's peacefully living next to property okay. Okay. and mm -hmm. chaos. Mm -hmm. So if the church is not the building, but rather the church is the people, then those church doors needs to be open and the people inside the church needs to take that energy that they develop in the church outside in the community because that's where real worship takes place amen yeah that's awesome well tell me more about that because that's a question that uh came up this morning just parker and i were talking mm -hmm. you know when you look at the uh like when you look at a neighborhood that's predominantly black mm -hmm. um where there might be some more crime and more poverty going on we know that there's a long history that right. led us to this place, right. uh, redlining and uh, less money going into those schools, less, uh, you know, voting, um, you know, uh, representation because of lines being drawn through the community or, or right. you know, all these many multiple things have led us to this point. So it's this massive complex mm -hmm. uh, history. And I know for a lot of us, we look at that now, we say, I want to help, but it's so complex. Right. How do we make bring about healing and change okay. in, in those situations and in those neighborhoods? I want to address it in two ways. I want to first address the historical perspective of it. Mm -hmm. And then the next one, the question that you ask, how do we help with the healing mm -hmm. process to take place? Historically, um, it's no secret. We see it on TV all the time, but there's also parts that we don't see necessarily mm -hmm. about how this came about. Mm -hmm. There is a belief there was a belief in the beginning, historically, that African-Americans were inferior, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And that belief extended all the way to legislative to where it was written into law, right? So since it was written into law, that means every institution had to buy into that. Mm -hmm. Like when we talk about the concept of slavery, slavery was only so successful because everybody agreed to it. Mm -hmm. Police, judges, your medical doctors, including the pastors and so forth, they mm -hmm. agreed to it. So you have this idealism that was backed up by legalism for so many years and the places of safety that we go to for worship was also a part of that. Mm -hmm. So it, it just trickled down, mm -hmm. this false narrative, this belief system that we have of this inferiority, this inferiority complex. Mm -hmm. That had a lot to do with the self-esteem of individuals, not really trying to get beyond what was in front of them, mm -hmm. not looking for any type of um, safety net other than just the current condition, mm -hmm. to the point to where the mentality of that inferiority was so impactful on them that they included that in the spiritual makeup. Wow. So even yeah. doing the concept of worshiping God, you worship God with an inferiority mm -hmm. complex. Mm -hmm. Now you have that. Then you have the laws stacked against you, which is the Jim Crow laws. Mm -hmm. um, the others that you have mentioned, redlining, mm -hmm. um, the black codes and so forth. Mm -hmm. And Florida is notorious for that because it's been over 106 years yeah, that we just got over the Jim right. Crow law. Okay? Yeah. But it, it came to the point to where what was popular when it came to relationships was that one establishment was higher than the other establishment. And being transparent, it was that the white community or white race was higher than the African-American community or the black race, mm -hmm. only because of those legacies that was put in front of them. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to today's time. You cannot erase the scars and the pains mm -hmm. 
and wash it as if it didn't exist right. without getting any type of help. Mm -hmm. And there was no help offered at that time. Mm -hmm. So the only help that was given to African-Americans was the institutions of church. Mm -hmm. And the institutions of church was based on still an inferiority complex because of the scriptures that was given to us to practice and mm -hmm. preach and give to the other individuals. Mm -hmm. I truly feel that if the institution of church was allowed for the individuals to worship in the manner in which makes sense to them, mm -hmm. backed up by mental health treatment, we would be a long way than where we are today. Right. right. Now, as we um, look at the concept as to where we are now, the healing process. Mm -hmm. Well, my thing is like this here. That shouldn't even be a question mm -hmm. because if we believe in God and we choose to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ as we say we do, mm -hmm. then that's the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be asked of me, mm -hmm. what should you do? Mm -hmm. It should go back to the scripture which you follow and read and study and there lies the answer. Mm -hmm. Because the biblical text talks more about justice than love. Mm -hmm. So from my understanding, justice is a big thing to God. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? Yeah. It's just that now we have to look at it that justice meant justice for everybody mm -hmm. and not just a particular group. Mm -hmm. So when we study the major and minor prophets and they talk about justice, there lies in your answer. Mm -hmm. That's how you can help. Mm -hmm. If you see any type of injustice, you fight against that. Mm -hmm. And then some people say, well, I don't understand how to do that. And I don't know how about going to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, take the African-American picture out of the equation for just a split second mm -hmm. and put yourself there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or if that is still difficult to comprehend, take the image of the African-American man and put a dog there. Mm. Now you will learn how to fight for it. Mm. Sometimes we have to change the picture in order to find out what's the best action, the best thing to do for healing. Mm -hmm. um, many people will say we just should pray. Mm -hmm. I agree. Prayer does change things. Mm -hmm. But then I also understand that there is a belief that you have also that's backed up with your prayer. Mm -hmm. So if you have a negative, distorted belief system mm -hmm. about something, tell me how far your prayer is going to go to help the entire humanity. See, right. we say things to sound good, to fit the attraction of everyone. Mm -hmm. But when we really peel back the layers, when we really look at it for what it really is, a lot of us hide behind our false narratives. And when we talk about doing justice, we only think about doing justice just for ourselves mm -hmm. and not for the totality of the communities. Mm. That's good stuff, man. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, justice is um, a universal concept and universally right. applied right so right. uh that makes a lot of sense to me um and that's why i know you recently jumped back on the sure criminal justice committee right and i know right. that's obviously an issue near and dear to your heart right and uh that's that's one of the things i've always loved about uh, our ministry with sure is mm -hmm. that it's uh it's let's bring about justice that's that's the, the baseline exactly. if, if if you are black and experiencing injustice right. or uh, Mexican or Cuban or whatever you may be, exactly. uh, or white, you know, right. you shouldn't be experiencing injustice. Right. Um, and we do also recognize that that there's a disparity in these numbers we see in arrests and things like that. Right. So, so the belief is when we when we do justice, um, we're going to be approaching the racist, systemic racist issue mm -hmm. uh, just from these different avenues of criminal justice or affordable right. housing or education 
which really are all the linchpins of the places that that have held certain <laughs> communities down, you know, in the past, right? So, so that's a that's a really really cool perspective. Um, let me ask you just this, because I think one of the reasons we're having this conversation okay. is I want to lead our congregation well, and uh, we are working to be a more diverse community for sure, uh, but we still don't have enough voices from all the different perspectives that there are. Okay. And so I appreciate you coming and helping us understand a little bit of a different perspective. So uh, I just wanted to hear um, what are some of the ways you've experienced racism personally uh, in your life? I mean, I don't care if it was high school or like yesterday, you know what I mean? Like your life, just give us a story or two of how you personally experienced it. Uh, because I think it's healing for us, uh, you know, um, as, as a white man, I've had a, a pretty privileged existence in terms of like uh, experience with the police or with people, you know, in right. different groups, you know. Um, I've not had those those issues, you know, in this country. So help me and help us to kind of just understand yeah. a little bit. <laughs> you know, um, it's amazing you ask that question because um, normally when you ask questions like that, you would get a response that I keep getting harassed by police officers and mm -hmm. things like that. <laughs> well, I haven't had any negative um, interactions with police officers. Good. <laughs> Good. And, and, and I don't know what the... I don't know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I just yeah, haven't yeah. had it. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, I've been pulled over and things of that nature there um, for things that I've done on my own hand, you know, speeding or whatever the case mm -hmm. is, but nothing negative to the magnitude to what we see right now. Right. That happens with a lot. Um, but as far as experiencing racism, I was introduced to racism at a very young age. Mm -hmm. um, growing up in a um, predominantly white neighborhood, mm -hmm. um, you, you, I couldn't escape it. It, it was there. Whether it was a friendly racist or a really horrible racist. Okay. And what I mean by the friendly racist is that, um, or the friendly practice of racism, mm -hmm. it's the, um, how you doing? You look so well. What did your parents do to get the house they have? Wow, you live here, you know? It was more of the um, microaggression, sure. if you will, yeah. type. Um, I do remember in high school that there was a, um, a group of individuals um, during that time, um, skinheads was very popular. You know, okay. you know, it was very popular, and we had a um, a group of individuals that was really heavily involved in that mm -hmm. in the neighborhood that I stayed in. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of um, being picked at, you know, um, during school sometimes, but you know, in school you you kind of protected there because there are so many other structures there. Yeah, the structures there. Stuff, yeah. Uh, even on the bus stop. But when they, it was funny because you have one particular group in Televas, that like I stayed down okay. in Televas. So once, and that's where the majority of the uh, African-American community stayed at, mm -hmm. that was on the bus that I rode. Once they got dropped off, then it was just me, my younger brother, and one other black kid. Okay. <laughs> we caught hell. Okay, <laughs> yeah, all right. So the thing of it is, is that, uh, you know, you can easily say kids to be kids, right? Mm -hmm. Like the bullying and the picking on it. But it was bullying with the narrative of the teachings of the that philosophy that they got out of skinheads. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of race calling, name calling, mm -hmm. a lot of derogatory statements and things of that nature there. Um, not so much a whole lot of fighting because I could run fast, you know? Okay. <laughs> but there, there was Praise a lot God of that. certain things, right? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, right. <laughs> but then, uh, you know, moving forward um, to adulthood, the racism that I had experienced during that time was 
the type of racism that was behind, hidden behind professionalism, mm. you know, professionalism. And it was primarily, I know that I'm well qualified mm -hmm. for that which I'm trying to obtain, mm -hmm. but not getting it and having it been offered to someone else, in this case, white, mm -hmm. and then having the words that was echoed mm -hmm. back to me from them saying that, well, you might wanna, you know, how about you take a few more years, we'll try you out on the job, see how you are with that, and then we will revisit this. So I stay there just to be passed up again by someone else. Mm -hmm. And then as I try to ask the question, now I'm perceived as being up, um, rambunctious, okay. angry, you know, we get that angry mentality type thing. And then um, you don't understand where we're coming from. We're just not a perfect fit right here. Mm -hmm. You know, just a whole bunch of negative stuff that's brought, that was thrown at me, which kind of affected the self-esteem. Mm -hmm. Funny thing is, is that not only do you find this in the professional arena, you find this everywhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. So that's about the extent of racism that I had experienced. Mm -hmm. um, I'm quite sure there was other things, but the one that stuck out to me were those particular experiences. That yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. It might be a good time, too, in terms of the healing category we're under. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about some of the differences between those kind of micro cases of racism right. that individuals experience uh, from other individuals versus kind of a more systemic racism. You mentioned okay. like Jim Crow laws and that right. type of thing. Like talk about the differences. And I think some of that is kind of what's brought us to, to where we are today, right? So, exactly. I mean, okay, that, that, the, systemic, the systemic aspect of racism, that is a, um, a spirit that's still here today mm -hmm. because of how deep it was imprinted in the African-American community. The best way to look at this is, say, let's go back to the time um, of servitude and slavery, mm -hmm. all right? The quote-unquote Emancipation Proclamation, if you will. Mm -hmm. All right, so now we have a large population of individuals that is actually free. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? Mm -hmm. But now this population was given no type of mental health treatment, right? Mm -hmm. No type of encouragement, mm -hmm. it was just, Go on, you're free. No, no bootstraps. No bootstraps. <laughs> right. Not even shoes. Right. You know? yeah. It was like, go on, mm -hmm. do what you need to do. And then many people that were said free could not find jobs or anything. So they decided to stay on the plantation and work there and then get paid wages to actually buy an additional freedom, meaning get, receive supplies and so forth, mm -hmm. to go ahead to be self-sufficient and continue to protect and raise their family. Mm -hmm. Fast forward from that, you get to the aspect to where these particular communities now have developed their own communities. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. now we have stores. Now we have our own laundries. Now we have our own um, our own churches, if you will, and mm -hmm. so forth. We are building our own communities just for a mob to come by and tear it all down. Right. Okay, then no complaining. We rebuild. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to a thing called Black Wall Street to where mm -hmm. it was a predominantly African-American community that was very, very wealthy. Mm -hmm. What this did is that it took jobs and funds away from the white community. Then what happened is that, well, we can't have that. Destroyed at this level. Just level, mm -hmm. okay? Again, no complaining, rebuilding again, right? Mm -hmm. Other communities um, build themselves only for those communities to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. What does that do to the psyche of an individual? Mm -hmm. Because when we talking about historical trauma, mm -hmm. 
-hmm. passed down from generation to generation. You right. get to the point that no matter what I do, I can never get ahead because everything that I'm doing, it gets destroyed mm -hmm. and I'm doing things right. Mm -hmm. You know, so that does something to the individual and we can pray, we can shout, we can dance, we can faint, we can mm -hmm. pass out. Right. Mm -hmm. But constantly seeing that does not come back the historical trauma that is imprinted in the individual and then passed out from generation to generation. And here we are now. Mm -hmm. We are fighting right now for justice. You hear the, um, the sayings when you see the people out in the streets protesting. No justice, no peace. Mm -hmm. If you were to watch some historical tapes of the civil rights movement, you would hear the exact same, same thing. thing. No justice, no peace. Mm -hmm. So we're still doing the same thing. So my question is, and my, no, my statement is, something is not working. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. see? Mm -hmm. Yes, I trust in God. Yes, I believe in God. Yes, I pray for change. Mm -hmm. But we're still doing, going through the same thing. Something is not working. Because I hear pastors all the time, especially African-American pastors, they say, I thank God for where he has brought us from. Mm -hmm. And I say, yes, we've been brought from something to something else. But we're still under the same umbrella mm -hmm. of that same issue that we was praying to get under. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So when we look at the whole concept is that um, systemic racism, it is a system mm -hmm. because really racism does not exist. There's no such thing as racist. Right. It is a social construct that we have that puts one group by practice ahead of another group. Right. Sometimes I say, I wish I could be racist. Yeah. <laughs> I have a whole lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But the thing is, racism is a system. It's a practice. You know, that's what mm -hmm. that is. I think the thing that we need to pay attention to is the difference in cultures and the cultural narrative and the belief that we have. Mm -hmm. We confuse that with racism. So when we're talking about systemic racism, we're really talking about a culture narrative that we have not changed yet. Right. Until we change this cultural narrative, this disordered, this distorted belief system that we have, mm -hmm. then that is how you attack the practice mm -hmm. of racism. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we're really dealing with, a practice of racism that was instrumented into the law of this particular land here, mm -hmm. and it started with a religious belief. Yeah. You know, because right. you know, when you look at the Constitution, it's supposed to be written that this was implemented by the belief system of those God-fearing Christian men mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that we say today that own slaves, that right. practice slavery, and fought to keep it, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then implemented the three-fifths of a man syndrome. Right. Now, it came from a religious perspective and a religious belief that found its way into a social construct of racism that now has been implemented into the laws that we have now today that is still on the books. So that's why I say you first have to change the cultural belief system because that is what is implemented into law. Because mm -hmm. for some reason, we believe just because it's law is morals. Right. But that's not necessarily true. Right. There are unjust laws. There's unjust laws. <laughs> it always has been. <laughs> we fight it all the time, right? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think um, that's a good segue because uh, I want to talk about help. Like, what can we do? And mm -hmm. we meaning the church, you know. The, but the, you did mention. Mm -hmm. You did mention the second part of that was about the systemic racism and then the personal racism. Okay. That you yeah. um, the, the, the personal racism, as mm -hmm. I touched on prior, mm -hmm. I like to look at it like this. It's not the fact that 
I dislike you because of the color of your skin. Mm -hmm. I have a problem because you do things differently than what I do. Mm -hmm. And the best way that I teach people to understand that is because when I travel out of the United States to different countries and I go to other places to where they practice Christianity, mm -hmm. they believe in the resurrected savior, mm -hmm. but their practice is different because it reflects the cultural perspective of who they are. Sure. Mm -hmm. But we tend to send missionaries over there and say, we want to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. But what we're actually doing is eradicating the cultural perspective mm -hmm. because they do not worship the way we worship and the way we think is right. Mm -hmm. You take that same narrative and you apply it to people that may do things different than us. Mm -hmm. It's not the color of the skin that is the problem. It's the difference of the way that individual does things mm -hmm. that is a problem. Mm -hmm. Because I have a belief system that what I'm doing is right. Mm -hmm. And it is the perfect way to do it. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing that, there's something that's wrong. Mm -hmm. And you need to be prayed for. You need to be cleansed. Mm -hmm. You need to be baptized. <laughs> we need to lay hands on you right. because God is nowhere in you. Like right. that. And that is the Because you're different from me. Because you're different from the way I worship. Or the exactly. Way I, that's the world. So many churches. Yeah. So until we combat that narrative, you mm -hmm. know, and that's a, I think to me, that's a great example when we're talking about the differences of people and black people don't get along well. Mm -hmm. And that's important too for the concept of why diversity within church communities is important. Exactly. And we have become extremely uh, segregated on Sunday mornings, right? right? Where this is where the white church is, the black church, this is Latino, this yeah. is whatever. Um, so, that's hard to create though, because like you said, there's a systemic sort of, just a way about right. doing things in America and right. people are naturally going to be drawn to uh, people who look like me and act like me and exactly. believe like me and worship like me. And that's one of the struggles here at 12 Springs is from the beginning, mm -hmm. uh, we've kind of tried to say, look, we want to focus on the very core elements, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and the, the place we took a picture out here with the mirror, right. you know. Right justice mercy and faithfulness you know walking right. with humbly with god um doing justice and, and loving mercy you know mm -hmm. um and and what that does though is it creates a place where a lot of diverse people come together mm -hmm. and in that situation you have that tension here yes. almost every sunday morning there's somebody uh whatever our worship looks like because it can look very different sunday to sunday right there's groups of people who are like oh i'm loving this you know <laughs> and others who are like i wish we had the other band in here from last week you know what I mean? <laughs> and so so i get that when you talk about the different ways of worship because it happens at the micro level sometimes right. within your church but also obviously it's macro so you know it's um <clears throat> so much about the way the individual interpret interpret the scriptures mm -hmm. you know Historically, scriptures were interpreted to keep African Americans in servitude. Right? A lot of them read Absolutely. the Gospel of Paul. You know, slaves obey your masters and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. There, um, similar to women. Similar to women, women cannot speak. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's the way that people interpret scriptures that is a handicap for individuals. Mm -hmm. And um, what you do is very important of how you have the um, the idea to where. We just have a conversation and a dialogue and we just talk about scripture. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we talk about what that scripture means to me. Because mm -hmm. I had through an analogy out there one time um, during Resurrection Sunday. Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, we're not just talking about um, Jesus dying and rising again and, and then now we leave and we're getting Easter eggs and stuff like that. We're not just talking <laughs> right. about that. I'm looking at the fact that from James Cone's perspective, Jesus is in the lynching tree. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. And then 
even go as farther and say, I'm commemorating or we're commemorating a black man who was assassinated by a mob in public mm -hmm. and then died but rose again for us so we can go ahead and continue to move forward under mm -hmm. Jesus Christ's teachings. Mm -hmm. Other folks may look at that and say, that is racist. How can you say that? But is it impactful for the community that I'm serving to encourage them to move forward? Right. Because for so long, we allow false narratives and interpretations of scriptures to hold individuals back. Mm -hmm. So why not put something out there that's going to encourage the individual? Mm -hmm. I like to look at it. I like to look at it that when we look at scriptures and how we worship, we solely base that on our upbringing, our experience, and our imagination of what God is to mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. And if only you're doing is talking to one particular group, if all you know growing up is one particular group, which is yours, and not outside and reaching out to other communities, right. then in your imagination, everything about the God that you worship is based on the narrative that you have that was given to you ever since a child, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. up until now. Mm -hmm. That's and I, I love that word imagination because uh, Walter Brueggemann talks about the uh, prophetic imagination. Exactly. You know, and that if exactly. we can imagine a new and better existence, then we should we should work and speak that into existence. Mm -hmm. You know, exactly. if we can imagine a place where systemic racism has been dismantled, if That's we right. can imagine a place where even these micro personal mm -hmm. uh, situations of racism has been dismantled, then we as followers of Jesus need to speak. Right. And, and move this world into that place right um, right which is what we're trying to do right now you know exactly. <laughs> i mean it really is like it's a small piece to a big puzzle but yeah. it's it's there because so. it, it begs the question what does following jesus really look like mm -hmm. you know i have me personally i have a problem when i see a lot of churches they 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 they, they have this interfaith worship mm -hmm. blacks on one side whites on the next side everybody has their hands up worshiping and then there's a narrative this is what it's supposed to look like in heaven. Mm -hmm. But we have all these other cultures out there. Yeah, right, right. Where they're at, where they're yeah, supposed right, to be at. Right. You know, so it basically what does walking with Jesus look like? Mm -hmm. What is Jesus' teachings telling you? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. the way I see it, the way I understand it, the teachings of Jesus, I'm supposed to work with any and everybody mm -hmm. humbly. Mm -hmm. And advocate for them. Mm -hmm. Be a voice for those that cannot have a voice for themselves. Mm -hmm. Even those who look completely different than me. Because how can I say I love you or I love Jesus, but then I have problems with other people? Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't get it. And that's where justice work can get tense for some people in the church. Because right. it's not about uh, that person's belief system. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, we want anybody and everybody who would come to believe in Jesus right. to do that. Right. But as followers of that same Jesus, right. we're going to fight for you, whoever you are, whatever you look like, whatever you believe. You know. Exactly. So exactly. I love that. I love that that side of things. So let's talk about justice, about justice. help. How can we help? What can we do? So um, just kind of off the cuff, many are asking, "What can I do? You know, okay. What can I personally do?" Mm -hmm. uh, so, what would you say to to anybody? Uh, Black, white, or other, mm -hmm. what can I do? Like okay. maybe somebody who's saying, I've kind of done more or less nothing till right now. I think right. what's happening in our culture that I think can come under the hope category right. is you're seeing a lot more people being kind of awakened to, okay, there really is a problem here. And, right. and, and I really should be doing something. So right. what do you tell that person? Advocate. Mm -hmm. um, 
what does your scripture, like I, as I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. what does your mm-hmm. scripture tell you to do mm-hmm. in situations like this? Mm-hmm. And that is what you should do. Right. Advocate, fight. You know what's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know it's difficult. Mm-hmm. You know. And if my, my thing is, even if you don't even understand it, if you mm-hmm. have a spark inside you that says, wow, what is that? That you have the question, then therefore action needs to take place. Mm-hmm. Right. And the first place to look is scripture. Mm-hmm. I always feel mm-hmm. that you should always keep God first mm-hmm. in anything that you do. Right. Mm-hmm. So that is where I go at, because especially if that is the model and in, 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 in the, um, the compass mm-hmm. of your life, mm-hmm. That is what you really So want. I should go to scripture rather than like mm-hmm. Facebook. Oh wow. Or 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 Twitter or yeah. or a certain news organization on yeah. this or that side of like I should go to scripture first is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree I, with you. I think you should just go ahead and pray first. <laughs> right. and do that. Let, let's try that first, okay? Yeah. And and and, and, <laughs> and, and <laughs> it's funny you said that because I even told somebody there was a there was a young man, a young teenager, because I work with a lot of teens and so mm-hmm. forth. No. And a lot of them, they're, 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 they're troubled in their faith mm-hmm. because they, they're saying that the church is not doing anything for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And they have legitimate reasons, legitimate concerns, which I see. But I always tell them, even if your faith is shaken, right? Mm-hmm. Even Matter of fact, even if you don't believe, right? Mm-hmm. I still ask you to pray. Mm-hmm. Just try it mm-hmm. because there's gonna find, you're going to find some type of answer in that. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. a little bit. Right. Because right. I'd rather you come and continue to struggle with God mm-hmm. than to break away. Mm-hmm. Because as long as you're struggling, like you're wrestling, like in a mm-hmm. wrestling match, the person has his hands on you, you have your hands on other individuals. Right. So that means you're still together. Yeah. But if you just walk away, you're gone. That's right. Definitely pray for Facebook has so many different narratives, Twitter and everything. Facebook is a place that you put information out there so it's attractable. Mm-hmm. You know right, I mean? right. And hopefully you're gonna have some substance back to it. Mm-hmm. This is why I love the minor and major prophets that we study. Yeah. Because the prophets only talked about things that happened during that time that was affecting that particular region where they were at. Mm-hmm. Weren't even thinking about us. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, mm-hmm. they didn't even know us. Right. Weren't thinking about us. They was affecting. They were talking about things and, and how to affect change that was happening at that time. Mm-hmm. And my favorite one is Habakkuk. Because mm-hmm. Habakkuk was the first one that asked God openly, how long would you sit there and watch? Right. You know? Mm-hmm. My question is, is where are the prophets of today? Mm-hmm. Why are we not talking about the concerns and, and, and what's happening right now mm-hmm. together? Mm-hmm. Because the thing is that you don't have to be like mm-hmm. to change a situation. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be popular to change a situation. You just got to bring attention to it. And, and, and I think that is what the young people are doing right now. Yeah. They are bringing attention to a situation and they're just hoping that the older generation who declares to possess this unfounded wisdom mm-hmm, mm-hmm. jumps on board because you know how it is. The older crowd is supposed to be wise and using mm-hmm, right. for the energy mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it's not wise to sit back from the comfortableness of your window at home and say somebody needs to do something out there. Mm. And I'm not saying that you need to get out and hit the streets and protest or nothing like that, but mm. you use what you have to mm-hmm. make change. Mm-hmm. So to jump back to the question, though, what can I do to help? Mm-hmm. And what I hear you saying is, what can I do as a white congregation mm-hmm. to help the black community with the issues that they're facing? Mm-hmm. Speak out. Mm-hmm. 
get involved. Help me vote. Mm -hmm. Help me bring um, these issues to light. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. don't wait on me. Go down there and speak out on your own as well. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. because the thing of it is, is that, and I want to be transparent here. For the question to be asked of me, mm -hmm. to many, is kind of hurtful. Okay, because you've seen the struggle, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So the the question is, what can I do to help? The question is, when are you ready to get out and do something? Because mm -hmm. I'm here with you. Mm -hmm. Because if I like to look at the faith community as larger families, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If something happened with your own family, mm -hmm. the question is, what can I do to help? Mm -hmm. The question is, I need to do what I need to do to protect my family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we are in this thing together, if we are a community of believers or just a community together, mm -hmm. then that means that I need to be a participant mm -hmm. in helping with the group. Yes, absolutely. No, I love that, man. I appreciate that. And I think uh, it's also the perspective of a lot of people right now. They feel like, um, and, and this is, probably isn't actually true, but they feel like things have finally reached a place where I have to do something. Like like you had to do something years ago, right? Yeah, like, like yeah, just yeah. To, to be fair, right? Like <laughs> things were at that place a long time ago. Right. It's just now maybe for whatever reason, they're more exposed with video cameras and whatever, yeah. or you're just more exposed as a person. Maybe Facebook has been helpful in some of that stuff for you to see, right? Or whatever. Right, right, but right. I think the reason that question is coming up is because a lot of people are right now at the moment, like, just getting to where you're at mm -hmm. where you're saying no we're all one family and community mm -hmm. so if you really believe that mm -hmm. you should just go and do you know right. so right. i appreciate that perspective because i think a lot of people have you know a little fearful a little right. you know this is a different thing than i've ever done before i've right. never really gotten involved with right. social justice in any way um and they're trying to kind of do something you know different exactly. in their life and there's right. fear holding them back i think you know so well, well i have to um also um give understanding to the narrative. Mm -hmm. Because the African-American church has always been political. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why we have an African-American church. Mm -hmm. You know, We've always had to fight for social justice, human rights, social rights. We've always had mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. um, for the African-American community, it wasn't just about prams and, 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 and having these wonderful um, pictures of what Jesus is doing in our lives. You mm -hmm. know? So I get that. Mm -hmm. But now we have, it's right in front of our face. Right. But most importantly, I think it brings about the contradiction of the practice of our faith. Mm -hmm. And that's coming from not just white, African-Americans, that's coming from every Christian, mm -hmm. because there is a large contradiction in the church. Mm -hmm. We are all God's children. Don't look like that. Mm -hmm. We practice God's love. A lot of things that we do, it doesn't seem to be godly in love, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Now the contradiction is there because how can you say that I love Jesus Christ and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and you share the teachings of Jesus Christ every Sunday morning, but do not practice that in the community. Mm -hmm. We cannot just sit here, and I always say this, it's a waste of time mm -hmm. to sit here and talk about what happened on the third Sunday right, mm -hmm. the third day, mm -hmm. and not talk about what's happening to groups of people every day, right? That's the contradiction of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to um, get out of our churches, 
take off our shiny shoes and put on some sneakers mm -hmm. and do the work that needs to be done to affect tremendous change for the community. Because mm -hmm. it's not just the African community that is suffering. Absolutely. Yeah. You help the African African American. Uh, you help the African American community. You're actually helping all communities right. because right now, what took place with the officer that placed his knee on the um, young man's neck for eight minutes and forty six seconds have caused a disturbance in every state, mm -hmm. and not every state is looking at a change in policy making. That is not affect the African American community. Mm -hmm. Not affect all communities. Like absolutely, yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um, so let's move to hope. Okay. So we talked about healing, and, and that was really just to try to understand uh, some of the issues surrounding uh, what's going on today. We mm -hmm. talked a little bit about health, and, and, and I love that perspective. If it's your family, do what you would do for your family. You know, you, yeah. you jump in. You, you don't stand back and say, well, let me think about what's this going to do to my image or how, you know, like oh, you just yeah. you jump in and help. I love that. So yeah. I appreciate that perspective. You just jump right um, in. Yeah. So, so as far as hope goes, um, mm -hmm. you know, I wanted I have two questions that okay. I want us to discuss and hear your thoughts on. One is when we spoke on the phone earlier about this, we had a nice conversation just mm -hmm. about um, kind of what's going on and everything. And uh, you mentioned that in the wake of, what's happened with George Floyd, with Ahmaud right. Arbery, um, and, and Breonna Taylor, and, and so many others, but particularly these three <laughs> recent cases that you are seeing some signs of hope right. uh, that, that bring you hope. Tell us about that, because that's right. inspiring to me. What are, you, what are you seeing that's a little different kind of yeah, this time around? Yeah, um, all through history, lives have lost, but change was made. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that these lives have been lost and my heart does go out to the families and so forth but what did that do mm -hmm. it, it it's like i like to look at it as a swimming pool that mm -hmm. has not been treated for a while mm -hmm. the swimming pool has algae in it is it's kind of green and so mm -hmm. forth and then now the owner of the pool brings this big bottle of shock treatment mm -hmm. and throw the shock treatment in there to clear up the algae and then throw some um what those things called the tablets, the tablets of yeah. chlorine tablets and then within a few hours it's just clear and people are jumping in the pool and they're swimming mm -hmm. well the death was that algae mm -hmm. that we were witnessing okay mm -hmm. and we were swimming in that algae mm -hmm. but what happened the protesters came out people communicated with each other and that was that shock treatment mm -hmm. that was thrown in this pool of just filth mm -hmm. And they kind of cleared things up. And then now the chlorine tablets represented the conversations that we're having right now mm -hmm. to heal so we can all get back in this pool again and swim and laugh mm -hmm. and have a good time. That is the hope that I'm seeing, okay. is that these deaths and the deaths before that has caused a, has arrested the attention of individuals and called out those contradictions of the faith communities. And now we're having these healthy conversations, but we're not just having conversations. We're demanding change. Right. We're demanding action because prior to, to, prior to this time, it was the death happens, we march, we yell, we shout, we talk with our elected officials, and then it's business as usual, and then it happens again. Right. And okay. it's the same thing. So those are the patterns. Mm -hmm. But now, this time, we're like, no, enough is enough. Mm -hmm. And I see the hope because now 
even though some people may say it looks divided, mm-hmm. I say it's coming together. Mm-hmm. Because you have now law enforcement marching with individuals in the protest. Right, yeah. You're having law enforcement offering healthy conversations with their communities and so forth. Mm-hmm. But the difference between this time and last time, officers and communities, they only talked. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now they're talking about bringing change. Mm-hmm. Policies are changing. So people's narratives are being respected and truly mm-hmm. being listened to. So that's the hope oh, that I awesome. see. Yeah. But that's also faith. Mm-hmm. That's also faith. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't expect to see any of this. Right. You didn't expect to see that. And, and, and I, I say it's faith because faith is ongoing, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. some people are saying that, well, this is not going to last. People still have a problem with that saying black lives and all this other stuff. But when I say it's faith, I see past that. Mm-hmm. Because when we studied the civil rights movement, nobody liked the king. Right. Many of the churches did not like king. Mm-hmm. They called him a troublemaker. Mm-hmm. But now every church has its fan. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, the whole church has its fan. But the point I make, that was a movement that wasn't respected by the popular narrative, by the popular generation, mm-hmm. the popular culture, I mean. And the same thing with this here. We're in the middle mm-hmm. of a movement mm-hmm. that it's only popular now because it's on front page news and right. it's affecting everyone. But it's still going to have a large population that don't like it. Mm-hmm. that disagree with it. Mm-hmm. But the faith and the courage of that faith changes things. And that's what I'm seeing. So I do see hope with this here. That is, uh, yeah, that is hopeful. Yeah. Because uh, I hear you. I know we've gotten frustrated, um, you know, with the Shore Ministry mm-hmm. about similar things. Of Everybody start yeah. talking about something and we're like, okay, let's go make change. And the conversation right. stops, stops. You know, and it's like, yeah. oh no, we're not going to change policy about that. Yeah. Are you kidding me? We're you just going to talk about it comfortably. <laughs> we here. just want a nice you know? conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you are seeing some real change. But I like to look at conversation when we always say uh, faith without works is dead, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. conversation without any um, action behind Amen. it is a waste of air. I mean, Amen. We talk. Yeah. Well, I want to end with this question. Um, We've got a little boy in our church mm-hmm. who uh, held up his arm to his mom and he said, I'm only a little bit brown, so I'll be okay, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's cute, it's sweet, but it's also, there's some depth to that that's exactly. disturbing, you know? Exactly. And, uh, and that um, story has just been on my heart, you know what I mean? It's like heartbreaking that a little guy uh, is, is coming to realize mm-hmm. that there, there are some things that are going to happen in his life because of the color of his skin. Right. Um, and uh, I'm all about bringing that little guy hope mm-hmm. and bringing this whole world into a situation where he holds up his arm and says, look at the color of the skin God gave me. And he's right. proud of that and not right. ashamed of that or worried about what that might mean in his life. But, but that's exactly. something we're all excited about for him. So right. um, I just wanted to bring that up and, and ask you to speak to that a little bit too yeah. From, yeah. from your perspective as a pastor, as yeah. you know, a uh, friend of mine, as somebody right. who who has your own children, who can hold their arms up, I'm exactly. hoping one day and say, "Look how God made me." You know, exactly. um, what would you what, what would you say to it's, us and to that mom? It's interesting. Um, the, the 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 studies show that children by the age of five already mm-hmm. start to understand race differences and stuff like that. That's about the age we're talking about. Exactly. Yep. So, um, coming from a clinical perspective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't mention he's a mental health professional. Too. This guy's everything. That's why I brought him to you guys, man. <laughs> that it's children learn by the models of their 
family, their parents, mm -hmm. but then there's a larger community also that they learn from also. Mm -hmm. It is helpful that the parents or the caregivers of the child, what I would say, include your child in cultural differences. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, have healthy, positive images of that child. Mm -hmm. Healthy images that looks like them. Mm -hmm. Like for my daughter, um, she loves princess books and she's baby dolls and things like mm -hmm. that and everything. And um, quite naturally, a person would say, just get her some black dolls and give her black books. Okay, fine. But okay, what about everything else in the relationship that she's going to have with friends and peers? Mm -hmm. So I show her different princesses mm -hmm. that they look all different. Mm -hmm. But I give the characteristics of them that how powerful they are mm -hmm. and I capitalize on the things of what they've done. Mm -hmm. And some princesses have long hair, some princesses have short hair, mm -hmm. there are some princesses that are black, there are some princesses that are green, blue, red, white, mm -hmm. whatnot, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. But the idea is, is that when you have images in front of the child, mm -hmm. that regardless of what there is strength in everything that that child can do, that helps combat that. Because they're going to experience a world that is going to talk against them, but then there is also a world that's going to talk healthy mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. Before they experience that, that should come in the household as yeah. well. Yeah, I love that. So I would definitely start out with positive images of the child that say, mm -hmm. hey, look at me, look, you know, mm -hmm. and, and read to the child and encourage the child mm -hmm. and capitalize on those strengths and things of that nature there. But then at the same time, have some cultural differences in the household mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. So the key mm -hmm. is strengthening the, the little boy's identity first, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But then instilling the power of respect of other cultures as well. Mm -hmm. I think the mistake that a lot of us households, a lot of the mistake in many households that we do is that we do not include other cultures, right? And the child grows up and then starts to experience that on his or her own, right? But if we do that in your own household at a very young age, then um, the, 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 the white kid, like I tell my child, the white kid down the road is not bad, they were cool. Mm -hmm. The Asian kid that lives two streets over, they're cool. And then you mm -hmm. go in the house and stuff like that and you smell the different cooking mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Because what happens is that you develop a healthy respect for cultural differences. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important. And even a love for it, it which I think is, is like, next level i mean that's to me is you know following jesus i mean mm -hmm. no sooner he died than gentiles are coming in the church he talks about cooking differences <laughs> right <laughs> you know what i mean so, <laughs> i mean uh, but but what the early church was able to do was to say no no you're you're included in this you know and there's this love of diversity mm -hmm. that goes all the way back to genesis you know for us the beginning so um, and i think as a popular culture in our churches, we've lost that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We don't practice cultural sensitivity or cultural mm -hmm. diversity or anything like that. Right. Within our church. You do, and I love it. We're trying. Yeah. We're not we're well, not arrived, but we're trying. <laughs> for the simple fact, we're having this conversation right here. That's awesome. Yeah, well you know, I appreciate that. Yeah. But I think that's the main thing that, that we're, we're 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 missing. We 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 do have like interfaith dialogues and things like mm -hmm. that, but that's not differences of culture in a sense. Right. Uh, we need to get to the heart of things mm -hmm. and, and and not be afraid to experience those things that sting us because things that sting us do have healing properties. Mm -hmm. I got stung by bees all the time, but the healing property was good. I took an alcohol, left that bee alone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, we are definitely out of time here, and uh, um, 
Sorry about that. This has been so good. I really appreciate uh, your your willingness to have this conversation. But why don't you uh, pray us out and close us, and then we'll finish up. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. We give thanks for this this morning. Not just the conversation, but definitely the relationship. We give thanks for the hopefulness that is to come. We give thanks for this space, because in this space there's Mm. healing, encouragement, strength. There is laughter, there is joy, but there is also the caution of what to come. But even though there's caution of what to come, the encouragement that we have will overshadow that because we will continue to encourage each other. Mm. We thank you for the lives that have took time out of their schedule to do the necessary work for effective change. And I say lives, Father, because lives of all different perspectives of individuals, lives of all different cultural perspectives of individuals, lives of different economical backgrounds of individuals, doing the most important thing, which is to love mercy and humble, walk humbly and do justice. We thank you for this space, Father. I ask that you bless every family that's represented here today. I ask you for the help and the healing. And most importantly, I thank you for this day, that a day that we have not witnessed and we will never see again, but we will take the opportunity that you have provided us with to do something tremendous that can be a mirror and an image that other people can follow and share and prayerfully encourage others to move past their own expectations. Mm. It is in your son's name, Jesus the Christ, with whom we give all the honor and all the praise. It is in his name that we say, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's awesome always being here talking to you, man. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I appreciate it. Yeah.